When you think of an entrepreneur, you probably think of the Mark Zuckerberg or the Jeff Bezos of the world, which is fair. They innovated and disrupted the technology and retail space, which had major impact to our lives. While some use their passion for tech or retail or even innovating, others use their entrepreneurial skills to work in the social responsibility world. Hi, my name is Alicia Cabrera, and I'm obsessed with entrepreneurship. Welcome back to E is for Entrepreneur, where we dig into the person or people behind the business. I'm a firm believer that there's so much to be learned from someone's story, and today I'm excited to help share Ryan Joral's journey as an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur who happens to work in the social responsibility world. Ryan is a father, host, author, speaker, and creator of the nonprofit organization, Black Fathers Rock. Ryan is a true entrepreneur with big plans. Our lives cross paths at a restaurant of all places, and he was one of my first Charlotte spotlights when I moved down here. When he is not taking care of his son and daughter, he's working within the community with his wife to dispel and change the narrative that all Black fathers are absent. Ryan found a need in the community to build a support system and provide resources that help strengthen the Black family. For those that know Ryan well, they know he hustles hard, his support is unwavering, and his style is impeccable. It is my absolute honor to have Ryan on today to talk more about his journey as an entrepreneur. Ryan, welcome to E is for Entrepreneur. I am so excited to have you. Well, thank you for having me. And once the uh, Rona is over, I'm taking you on the road. You can introduce me at everything I speak at or host. So. <laughs> It'll be a pleasure to be your hype man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Oh, so how are you? How are you doing with um, the stay-at-home order? Uh, you know, it's been interesting. I found that the biggest thing for me having two kids under the age of five, so one, my daughter's five, Peyton Baroness, that's the daddy's girl, and then Grayson <laughs> will be two in June. He is leaning towards mama's boy, but I'm trying to curtail that. So <laughs> the, um, the biggest thing I... I the first thing I did was I put them on a schedule. And so I do a lot in a day. And even with the whole COVID-19 situation, we've been doing a lot in the community. And so what I learned after day three of going to the grocery store uh, for snacks for my family is that they need a schedule. And so my kids are now on a schedule. They have a schedule at daycare for the young one and a schedule at school for the older one. And so they have a schedule at home. And so they are fully aware that if it's not eight o'clock, no matter if you wake up at 630 or not, don't ask me for breakfast. <laughs> it's not 1030, you're not getting a snack. If it's not noon, you're not getting lunch. And afternoon, you have to take your nap. And if you don't get a nap, you don't get a snack. So um, that's that's been <laughs> helpful for us. No, no nap, no snack. That's been a rule. But um, that's allowed us, my wife and I, to work from home. She's working from home as I as I am I. And so it gives us, we know what windows we have to kind of play with. So we know for a solid three hours, 1130 to 230, we have silence in the home um and that's yeah. been helpful and definitely a lot, a lot more family time i do a lot normally excuse me and so everything being shut down i.e the restaurant that you mentioned uh in addition to <laughs> <laughs> me not being at the tv station as much uh, all that's kind of on pause right now so i've definitely had more time to watch tv which is something <laughs> that i did not really do um but all in all Guilty honestly pleasure. You know, there are a lot of hardships <laughs> Yeah, well, no, I, I actually feel like if I'm watching TV, I'm wasting time. So for the first couple of days, I kind of beat myself up about not doing anything and watching TV. 
because I feel like there's still things I can do from home. Yeah, yeah. But I will say, honestly, we've been blessed, um, thankful to have income during this time, thankful to have, you know, my my son is in Lucy's place in daycare. You know, my daughter still goes to the next grade. Um, You know, we still have income. We're able to work from home and still get paid. And, you know, it's been a blessing to have that in addition to be able to give back to the community uh, during this time for those who don't have as much as we have been afforded to have at the time. Yeah, you stepped up big to provide uh, for families in the community. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about what you were actually doing at the beginning of this stay at home order and kind of what compelled you to do it. So a friend of mine works for a local elementary school that we've helped out before, went and greeted the kids in the mornings, first day of school, donated school supplies, things like that. And so we took whole bags of groceries to them for some of their families. And I got the idea, I said, what if I put it out there, you know, schools aren't closed yet, they may be closing, let me just see if I can get help from the community to support some of these families and some of these children who may be not having food if school does close. And about a week later, school did close. And people were giving, donations were coming from all over the country, honestly. And we were able to physically go grocery shopping for these families and deliver groceries to their homes. Uh, so I, I, I've used my Costco card more in the last two months than ever before. <laughs> but, um, you know, it really has allowed us to grow our brand and even our, our outreach. We've got a couple of local news stations that picked up the stories on what we were doing. You know, we've helped out with cleaning supplies for families. Um, paid internet bills for people that needed, had kids at home that needed to do their schoolwork. We've helped out four schools here in Charlotte to deliver, at this point, probably over 600 meals in the area collectively through all wow. the organizations. And so we, you know, some things we've done un- under the radar that we didn't tell anybody about, but, you know, we've been able to just garner support from the community. And it just came from an idea. I mean, even this, uh, this podcast that I'm on right now with you started with an idea. And so I, my, one of my things I tell people all the time it does not have to be perfect. It just has to be out. And so when you put it out there, then you can see what the response is going to be. You can get the support and you can get the, the criticism if there is any. And so for me, yeah. you know, I just wanted to, to help out. And, you know, I have a, um, a big dry erase board in my room and I have the goals broken down by quarter and nothing on there for this year had to do with what we're doing now. Um, but we got the idea to do it and go with it. So now we have partnership with the community to do this throughout the year and so now you know i'm wow. in different different conversations now to say hey we want to garner support for tucka cg elementary they're a title one school that needs x y and z will you donate for this cause so uh, anybody out there listening just just do it just start like you can have a plan together but you can put the plan together and if you never take any action on it it's just a plan so yeah that, that's, that's been how we've been able to be successful we just sometimes do stuff and and see what happens (laughs) yep yep you just got to pulse pulse where you can i mean i think this is a great opportunity to bring bring some of your background and um just a little bit more information on even black fathers rock right like what's your elevator pitch for our listeners out there so that they kind of get a a full picture of who you are and and um you know your organization yeah, so Black Fathers Rock started off as an idea in a black notebook. Uh, and what I wanted to do was do an award show to esteem Black fathers in the area. And so I took out my black notebook. I wrote two pages of information, uh, sponsors that I wanted, potential venues, uh, host, potential honorees, things like that. Uh, that was in July of 2017. And I wanted to do it in November. 
<laughs> and I met with one of my uh, college colleagues in September. And he said, no, 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 no. This can be much bigger than you're making it. Let's push it out to February. I'll take it on as my PR project and we'll go from there. So fast forward, long story short, we do our first award show, February 2018. About 120 people come. All the local press covers it, TV, media, news. And then people are like, you should become a nonprofit. And I was like, no, thank you. I have no desire to become a nonprofit. I just want to do this. And I started getting seed money and I started to get people to say, hey, you should really become a nonprofit that'll help you get arenas to garner support for the future. And funny thing about that, again, I just did something right. I did one thing and it snowballed. So we submitted our nonprofit paperwork in May. We got our R as a corporation two weeks later and we were full blown nonprofit by June 1st. So that never happens. Wow. <laughs> that is that was divine. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was it was a blessing. But in a nutshell, what Black Fathers Rock is, and, and there, we have other things that have come from that. We do monthly dialogue with dad meetings where we have men come and just talk about whatever different community issues, but really create a safe space and environment for men to talk. And what I've learned is when men are in a safe space, they will talk. And they won't stop. Mm-hmm. And so um, that has been something we've done. We partnered with the city of Charlotte to do Growing Up Fathers panels. But in a nutshell, we are seeking to change the narrative and dispel the notion that all Black fathers are absent while creating and uh, supplying resources for strengthening the Black family. And so I get a lot of flack about the Black Fathers Rock thing, believe it or not, because uh, of course, you get the all fathers rock, right? Yeah, that sounds great in theory, but let's be clear. I am a father yeah. who is Black. Uh, so that is the lens of the world that I view. And if you look at the disparity over the years as it relates to Black fathers, you all know that there is no secret that there's a disparity in the Black community for fatherhoods that are absent, supposedly. And if you could see me, I'm doing my quotation marks because that is <laughs> what the media pushes to the public. It's sexy to say that most Black men are incarcerated. It's nice to have a story that says this absentee father did X, Y, and Z or was on drugs. I mean, think about it. Even on the NBA NBA draft or NFL draft recently, one of the guys was on there. He's a top 20 draft pick. And his mother was was hooked on drugs for 16 years. That has absolutely nothing to do with him getting drafted. This is his day. So why do you feel the need to bring a Black man's mother who was dealing with a real-life issue to the forefront on his big day. Did that happen with anybody else? Go ahead, I'll wait. So there's, a, there's, there's, a, there's <laughs> yep. a disparity there. And so for me, I know there are negative things out there about Black fathers. My goal is to esteem and put the positive imagery out there and put the positive narrative on it. Because guess what? If you view the real statistics, Black fathers outperform their counterparts in child rearing, in reading to their kids, in cooking, in playing with their kids, but you won't talk about that in the media. And so I really want to encourage people to understand that the black fatherhood, uh, and we're not even gonna get into the, the systemic aspect of it and what happened in the 60s and 70s and the Reagan era and all that, but I want people to understand that we are here and we are present and we are active. We're not all in jail. We don't all have records and we are doing what we're supposed to do. And so I'm a father of two. I have a five-year-old daughter, Peyton, a two-year-old son, Grayson, uh, my wife and I have been married, uh, it was six years in February, but she's been around 13 oh. years. So she's seen, uh, before anybody knew who Ryan Jor-El was, she was there. <laughs> so, um, our, the OG Ryan. <laughs> man, listen, the crazy Ryan, the, the, the clubbing Ryan, the partying Ryan, the, the crazy, just, oh yeah, crazy. Man, six years, Ryan. That's awesome. Congrats to, you know, to that marriage. And I, I obviously 
wish you guys so so much love and I mean your children are so adorable <laughs> and as you guys continue to you know grow this nonprofit, it's just to me I think you spelled it out well right where you are a black father right and everything that you the resources that you give what you talk about is very much so from your lens and you've you've been able to stand there and say I do this or I failed here and here's how I you know did whatever I needed to do to to become a success after that right or here's what I've learned from my kids and it it has had to have been a journey obviously it was a journey or you wouldn't have been on here but, but like what does that look like I mean what has it the between you getting married starting the nonprofit, having kids like what does that look like and now what what has that shifted into for your day-to-day life if like you know rona wasn't around right now you know what would that look like so <laughs> yeah that's crazy so b- quick backstory on that i grew up without a father and so i think indirectly there's a lot the things that you've liked in your childhood you tend to overcompensate for your in your adulthood and i don't i never set out to be a black father who rocked, it just, it became innate and something that I, that I um, take a, it, it's easy to me, right? It's easier than being a husband. Like being a husband mm-hmm. is something you have to learn. Uh, being a father, you have some innate capabilities. Same thing with motherhood. Like if, if you pick a baby up and they're crying, the first thing you're going to do is probably rock them. That's a natural instinct, right? That's not something mm-hmm. that I, I learned. You just, I just did it. And so being a father now during all this, if I wasn't, you know, if there wasn't a Rona, right, there was no COVID-19, my typical day is generally waking up at around six to get Peyton ready for school. She starts school at 7.30. And most days during the week, I go to the, rate, the TV station uh, as well. So getting myself ready, getting the kid ready for daycare, the little one, Peyton ready for school, wife takes Peyton to school. I take Peyton, uh, Grace into daycare, uh, go to the news station, leave there. And I either... And at the time, so a few months ago, I actually had a job job, like a nine to five job. And so I would actually go there and then leave there and then go to the restaurant at night. And then when I got home from the re- off from the restaurant, I'd come home and work on Black Father's Rock stuff or, you know, I make my own apparel in the house. So I'd be pressing mm-hmm. shirts or, you know, and decompressing. And, you know, by that time, it's 2 a.m. and I'm up again at six. And that was a normal day to just get up and, and just wow. go all day long. And so with the current circumstances, you know, the TV station, I am not an essential everyday anchor. So I will not be on TV again till probably summertime. Uh, The restaurant is closed for another, I don't know how many weeks or months. So that'll be, you know, even when that comes back, that'll still be limited. And so I am Mm -hmm. forced to kind of relax a little bit. And quite honestly, I took the first couple weeks after, you know, during the grocery store, grocery store runs and things like that. But I took the first couple weeks and did nothing. I didn't work on my nonprofit. I didn't care about a, a Instagram post or a Facebook post. Uh, I just was adjusting. And initially I was beating myself up because I'm like, I have, like you're coping and it's okay. It's okay. And I, about the first week in April, I hit my stride and boom, I started doing all kind of stuff. And so, you know, I put the apparel line out. I got, you know, the book, this next book isn't in, in the works. And so I've, I've, I've got it back, but it took me time to really, adjust and honestly i am kind of getting used to working and being done by like five and like not having to rush to get anywhere 
like my favorite thing to do is like driving with the windows down and the, and the sun sunroof open and listening to music and looking at houses like that is just so random and weird but two months ago i wouldn't have time to do that because i have to go somewhere else so it's been a yeah. somewhat of a blessing um although i know many are affected negatively i must say we've been super blessed to still have income um still be able to work from home you know still have healthy kids and, and still be able to give back and i just you know i'm grateful every day for that because i know there are others that are not uh, in that situation and so i don't take it for granted at all but it's definitely a journey uh growing up without a father and running a fatherhood organization now i can't preach to somebody about reconciling with their dad if i don't do the same thing so that's a whole <laughs> another piece wow. to the whole thing right there so yeah, yeah. it's a lot but I, I believe i'm equipped and I, I always say if god gives you a vision he will also give you provision. And I believe that he's been providing resources and people uh, and leading them into my path that have been able to help me move forward. Yeah. I mean, man, you have so much going on, even with everything that's happening in the world right now. You mentioned clothes and, and the organization and a book. I mean, I love asking this question, but like, are you an entrepreneur by nature? Did it start <laughs> somewhere else? Like, I love having this conversation. I've had it with a couple of people already. And, you know, there's always the argument of, oh, it's just a fiber of my being or it, or it turns into a, well, I'm just doing something that I'm really passionate about and that I love and that I've been able to build into my business. So now I'm an entrepreneur. There's, you know, so many people have different stories. So when I always ask that, I am so excited to hear your answer right now because I think it's different <laughs> for everyone. I, I think mine's going to be different. Uh, I'm a creative. And so for me, the ability to create is what I guess spawned me into entrepreneurship. Um, I have worked nine to fives. Excuse me. I've also worked in industries. I, my background is fashion and retail. I've spent 20 years doing that. So name a brand. I know it. Name a company. Ralph Lauren, Nordstrom, Saks Avenue, New York, Jersey, D.C., Charlotte. I, I've done that. But it, it starts with me just getting an idea and creating. And so, you know, I would say that I am a, I call myself a legal hustler because even if so, God forbid, something would have happened. I didn't have any income. I would have hustled anything I could. I, there was a time in my life where I was selling clothes out of my closet to survive. And so I think, and that wasn't like a long time ago. That was like 2013, right? Before I moved to DC, yeah. I was living in a home with one of my friends and, you know, I wasn't making a lot of money working in retail I was just starting off. And I was literally taking bags of clothes to some of my fraternity brothers and putting it in the middle of the floor and let them gather what they want and say, give me $30 for that. Give me $50 for that. And that was just seven years ago, right? And so- People see things now and they're like, wow, you're on TV, you're, you're, you're hosting events, you're traveling, you're speaking. And I'm just like, if you only knew <laughs> the struggles that I had <laughs> behind closed doors. So for me, being an entrepreneur, um, I, I, would, I would think that I'm 85 to 90% organically that because I like to create. And everything mm -hmm. that I create is generally a branch of my tree. So if my background is fashion, then there was fashion blogging. Then there's a book, Fashion and Fatherhood. Then I started making my own pocket squares. So like everything is still in that branch. And so even when working in retail, even when working, you know, I had to close down my personal shopping business when I started working for Nordstrom. It was a conflict of interest. <laughs> so I think I've been wow. able to, at, at the bottom, at, at the end of it all, I'm an entrepreneur. 
yes. Um, but I think I identify more with being a creative because that is where things come from. And so Black Fathers Rock came from an idea, you know, this, this, I, I keep going back to your podcast because of a year ago you started blogging. So now you're, you're blogging, right? And so a year ago you started blogging. <laughs> I know you're... you met me when I had like 300 well, but, people. But, that's what I'm but it's evolution. So, you know, you get really good at one thing and then you spawn off, right? So I use my Diddy Jay-Z example. Diddy producer, bad boy records, right? That was his thing. Then came Sean John. Then came making the band. Then came Revolt. Same thing with Jay-Z. Jay-Z was a rapper. That was his thing. Then came the clothing line, Rockaware. You know, then came him meeting Beyonce. You know, then came Tidal. Then came NFL. So you got to get really good at that one thing. And so whether you're, you know, mm-hmm. entrepreneur or not, you just find your niche. And I have learned, and for anybody that's out there listening to this that is not entrepreneur, it is okay. Because somebody's got to go work mm-hmm. for somebody. And if you are cool with getting yep. that paycheck every week or every two weeks or once a month and you like that stability, that is fine. I don't want to be one of those people that, that shun people for being not being entrepreneurs because it takes a special person to have that much time on their hands and be their own boss and to actually execute doing it. And I will say I'm not the best entrepreneur because a lot of times I don't make that schedule. I don't have the, the schedule for work and the schedule for home. You know, I, was, I wasn't doing it all about correctly, if you will. Um, but I did what I knew because I'm a trailblazer in my family because my mom thought I was crazy for so many years. <laughs> and now she's like the proudest mom in the world because, oh my God, my son was in this magazine. Oh my God, my son's on TV. Oh my God, my son was in a movie. But <laughs> so 10 awesome. years ago, boy, go get a job. Cause that's all you, that's all you knew. That's all she knew. That's all she still knows. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I guess I am, but I prefer uh, to be titled a creative because that op- that doesn't box me in so much. I even dropped my my moniker like I was the fashion connoisseur. I dropped that because I'm so much bigger than the fashion connoisseur. I'm so much bigger than fashion and retail. Like Ryan Jarrell is a brand itself, and there are many branches on that brand, but they all still identify back to who I am at the core. So. Yeah, I mean, I think wow. By the way, I think that that perspective is really interesting to me because I mean, I fully agree. Like everyone is different. Everyone has a thread that, you know, that they get to use and some of, some of it's creative and some of it is like, you know, I talk about this all the time. The perfect example of this is, you know, I, I have a really creative side. I, brainstorm all of these things and sometimes I brainstorm too big for myself and I'm like oh my gosh but it's a brain dump Mm -hmm. for me where Dan loves the numbers and he can sit there all day long and look at stocks and do the budget and and it is what it is and it's great right and we have to appreciate the things that Mm -hmm. we love in, in another um but I also love that you mentioned that you didn't do it perfectly. I think oh, sometimes people forget, <laughs> right? People forget that. And I had this issue even starting this podcast. Like it doesn't need it's to be perfect. Be you just got to do out. it. It's just got to be out because you'll get better over time and you'll be able to look back and look at that growth. And so there's going to be a lot of obstacles that you face um, in any scenario. And it's what you do in the face of those obstacles that I think is really important. Um, And so, I mean, a great segue for that is, you know, what are some obstacles that you faced in starting this nonprofit and, and just your personal brand and some of those lessons learned? 
right? I think that's so important to kind of talk about because everyone's story is different. But I think the lessons that you learn from them can be so impactful to other people's lives. So definitely, it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be out. I started with one thing, right? Becoming a nonprofit, I had no idea about the nonprofit space, right? And so I have a friend who's been doing it for a few years. And the biggest thing she says, make sure your affairs are in order. And I'm like, okay. Well, I started off as an award show, right? That's all I cared about doing. Now I'm a nonprofit. Now I have a logo. Now I have a brand. So now I got to do what? Trademark and all that. Because people are, somebody can steal this and go somewhere with it, right? So now I got to make sure that everything's trademarked Mm -hmm. from a logo to the name, which most of that is done already or or in process. But like, I didn't know anything about that. I'm just like, I'm going to make these t-shirts. People ask for t-shirts. I'm going to get a press. (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna get these transfer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make these T-shirts and I'm gonna put it out there. And then somebody's like, "No, you have to make sure that you are have your affairs in order." So I I didn't know. I didn't know how much money it took to start a nonprofit. I didn't know what a budget was for a nonprofit. Like, how do I get income outside of donations? I need to create programming. Like, okay, what does that programming look like? And then what kind of programming do I need to get to get grants? Okay, well, how do you write a grant? Like, I don't like I don't know any of that stuff. But I will say that, you know, again, people will get put in your path for reasons. And I met a guy. Um, at, so I got asked to do um, a documentary about fatherhood, which is available on YouTube, by the way. Man up. You got to check that out. That's a plug because you should go watch it. It's a 40 minute uh, <laughs> mini documentary on three generations of fatherhood and how we navigate it through that. So it's 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 I mean, obviously I'm in it. So I think it's great. But it is a positive film about fatherhood and showing some of the things that we have to deal with going through that. So starting my nonprofit was just, I didn't know anything and I'm still learning every day. Building my personal brand, you know, same thing. Like I just did stuff. I just, I started in fashion thrifting and that's what I was known for. So I just started thrifting and showing people on Facebook, like here's what I bought at the Goodwill for $25 and going through all these items and, and just, I just did it. And so a lot of times you'll learn as you go and things will evolve as you go. I never wanted an apparel line for Black Fathers Rock. I didn't even wear T-shirts, but it was a need. I became a supply, mm-hmm. and now my brand is across the country and has been overseas and is mobile, and people are being exposed to it. People are asking questions, and now I'm getting orders from Idaho, and I'm getting checks from Florida, and I'm just like, but I, I did one thing, and so it's not pretty. You know, I sit in my room and, you know, even with the TV thing, uh, I did a lot of bad videos in my room <laughs> with bad lighting for uh, for a year or two. I used to study Ellen and Anderson Cooper and Piers Morgan in 2011 because I knew eventually I wanted to be on TV. But if you saw, if you look at some of those videos that I did, like they were trash. <laughs> like, <laughs> just, <laughs> hey, I mean, good content. <laughs> But I didn't know I was I was practicing. I was strengthening that muscle so that when the network calls and says, hey, we want you to do a a segment on fashion uh, for New Year's Eve. You've only got three minutes. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, great, because I've been practicing bad lighting and all three minute videos. So I know how to get the content in three minutes. But again, it started with me doing it. And so I don't know if that answered your question, but just. You have to do it. And, you know, if you hear nothing else, like it does not have to be perfect. It just has to be out. And once you get it out there, then you can start to evolve. Then you can start to tweak it. Then you can get feedback from the public. If nobody ever sees it, nobody can comment on it. Nobody can like it. If I, if I never see it, yeah. I can't like it. 
So, so let me just do a follow-up here in, in that mentality, you know, like how did you dig yourself out of like a big failure or a big obstacle that you've faced being an entrepreneur? How did you work your, your way through like a a situation like that? So I was told by a friend, one of two things, either learn how to do something or you pay somebody to do it. And so I taught myself a lot of things. Um, my website I built myself, but that took me spending hours learning how to build a website. Is the greatest website? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Does it work? Yes. Right? <laughs> if, yeah, it feels me. If, uh, a corporation sees it, I have everything on there they need to see. But, you know, getting out of a hole, I- I'm, I'm very intrinsically motivated. I really, really am. And I'm super ambitious, almost overly ambitious to a point. My wife thinks I'm crazy sometimes. Um, but now she's starting to see some things come to fruition. She's like, eh, he might not be that bad. But, it, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't live in fear. Um, I think, not even I think, from what I'm gathered, excuse me, even from my wife's perspective, from other people that want to do things, they feel like they need to plan it and then do it instead of just doing it. And so for me, I'm not, I, I, I'll put it this way. LeBron James, one of the greatest basketball players ever, never goes into a game thinking he's going to lose. Is LeBron James going to lose sometimes? Absolutely. But does LeBron go into the game thinking he's going to lose? Absolutely not. Same thing with entrepreneurship. I'm not going to jump out there. Right. I'm not going to jump out there and do something. If I'm rowing and I'm in the ocean and I'm halfway there or 60% there, it takes longer to go back to the shore than it does to keep going. And so I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Wow. If, if you're, if I'm 60% yep. out there, which is technically failing per the 100 scale, you're still further out and further clo- closer to the shore than you were to your starting point. And so I don't let fear yep. guide me. I don't get afraid unless it's a snake. I'm going to be afraid of snakes. But- <laughs> 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 what? Sorry, I'm, I'm afraid of snakes. <laughs> no, I love that. <laughs> listen, I don't play down here listen. in North Carolina because sometimes they hide oh, in the mulch. Okay, I'm that, not about it. It's just a garden snake. It's not going to bite you. Listen, anything that coils up and sticks its tongue out is probably not meant for your good. All right. Sidebar. Ryan Drew, oh, I'm afraid of snakes. Awesome. FYI. But I'm not afraid of taking a risk. Even when I move. DC. I've been, yep. I, I used to visit DC in 2011, probably four or five times. I'm going to move here one day. I'm going to move here one day. I'm going to move here one day. I never knew how. Did, I just knew I want to move and live in DC. And 2013 came, I started working for Nordstrom and I found out that Tyson's Corner, Virginia, which is right outside of DC, is the flagship of the East Coast, right? $115 million store. If that's where the money is, I need to be there. I was going through my leadership training. I asked my manager, hey, can you transfer me to Virginia? And they did. And I packed up my Nissan Sentra. I got a small storage unit. I put it out in the frat meeting like, hey, I'm a cap, by the way, cap outside. I said frat a few times, just in case you were wondering. Um, put it out there in my frat meeting. Hey, I'm moving to D.C., looking for housing. One of my fraternity brothers said, I know a guy who's got a spare room in D.C. Here's his info. He vetted me. He called me. We linked up. I drove my Sentra to D.C. and stayed in a spare bedroom of somebody I just met um it was, it was a risk wow and literally in the three years that i was gone from charlotte my life 
exponentially increased. I got married. I had a kid. I got promoted. I moved to New Jersey. I moved back to Charlotte. I wrote a book. Like all that happened when I took the leap. And, and it started because I was in a room at a fashion show working for Nordstrom. They had their row. I had my own seat across the runway from them sitting. <laughs> they were like, "What? who is this guy? And I was in that room that day. And I said to myself, who in this room can get me to the next level? And the answer was nobody. Wow. The answer was nobody. And so I left. And for me, taking no risk, no reward. And so I'm not going to go do, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say I'm not going to do anything crazy because that's not true. But I will say that I've been able to sustain because I just do things. And E.T., the hip hop preacher, always says, no excuses, only adjustments. Right. And so should I have moved to New Jersey? Probably not the best Hmm. move. But for me at that time, it gave me an income that allowed my wife to stay at home with my kid. And it afforded me an opportunity to work 15 miles outside of New York City. And so in the fashion career, that's the Mecca. And I thought that was the best decision. And I did it. Now, New Jersey was a terrible year, but Peyton was during New Jersey. Uh, my book, Fashion and Fatherhood, came out in New Jersey. And that's really about it. But I did it. And now I can look back and say that you that probably was the best move. But I'm still being sustained. And I was able to rebound and make, you know, a great life for us and, and still getting better. But, you know, I, I don't live in fear. That, that is yeah. false evidence appearing real. I, I, don't, I don't believe in that. I mean, with everything that you've accomplished, I mean, what would you even say your biz, like biggest success or proudest moment is at the at this time? I mean, you've been through it. I, you know what's crazy? I think uh, my greatest calling is being a father. Um, that is oh. something, you know, being oh. a husband is great. And, you know, this is not a knock on marriage or husband and wives. But when it comes to parenting, um, I get downloads about parenting that I couldn't have learned because I have a five-year-old. I've been parent five years, right? So how would I have known these things? But I get these downloads and and I'm such a, I, you know, I'm such a great dad. <laughs> like if nothing else, um, and, and that's not even a, a, a boastful thing. It really is, you know, my daughter is a daddy's girl through and through uh, and she's brilliant. Uh, my son is a boy and he's an all boy and we're working on it. But being a dad is, is so fulfilling um, and it, it allows so many times. Com- you'd be surprised when you start doing what you're supposed to operate in, the conversations that will come and people that you'll meet because you're operating in your calling. And I could be at a bar. I could be having yeah. wings. I could be chilling out and somebody will strike up a fatherhood conversation like man, woman, boy, child, just and, and that and that gives you just so much. And, you know, people that even don't have kids you know, are taking notes. And it's just like, that is so fulfilling to me. So, I mean, greatest accomplishment. I mean, I I would say being a father, yes, writing a book is a big deal. Um, I didn't even want to write that book, but (laughs) it's a big deal. Um, Being on TV, you know, it's a big deal to be on TV three, four times a week, have your own weekly show or segment. Like that's a big deal. But man, when you go to daycare, pick up your kid and he runs across the room and says, daddy, 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 are you come home from work and your kids jump and celebrate you and run to the door, like, and give you that hug. That is probably, that kind of erases the day that I had, no matter what. And I, I believe that is probably my, my greatest accomplishment. And um, it, it will be a part of the legacy. And I believe Black Fathers Rock is that legacy that I could pass down to my kids and say, here's what your dad created that'll sustain you 
through your life. So if you decide you don't want to work a job, here's an organization that's not only going to sustain you, but help others in the process. Our goal is to have a thousand, a thousand success stories um, of men reconciling with their families. So there may be some guys out there listening that, that have not been in their children's lives. It's time to step up to the plate. It's never too late. You know, I'm still working on my relationship with my dad. You know, I've seen him like four times in my whole life. Um, but that is that is part of the process, right? It's part of the journey. And that just builds my story yeah. even more. So. Yep. I mean, I think that's a great, uh, a great way to, man, just like, just think about your story. Like the fact that I asked you what your proudest and biggest success was, your proudest moment, and it still comes back to fundamentally what what you have built this nonprofit organization on. And I think that's absolutely amazing. And it speaks volumes for your character. Um, you know, most importantly, like, where can we find you? You, you kind of just gave a shout out to men that might be listening that are really interested in, you know, the resources that you could provide and the support that you provide within the community. Where can we yeah, find so, you? Uh, Blackfathersrock.org is our, our website, the one that I built. Uh, so don't talk junk about it. Just, just go. <laughs> um, but you know, in the in the age that we're in, social media is where you should find everything. I mean, excuse me, uh, we shorten black. Excuse me, BLK Fathers Rock. So if you type in BLK Fathers Rock on Facebook, Instagram, you know, you can go there and find really anything. Apparel, BLKFathersRock.org. So if you type in Black Fathers Rock on Facebook, you'll find us. If you type in Black Fathers Rock on Instagram, you'll find us. Excuse me something in my throat. Uh, if you type it in Google, you'll find us. Uh, and so I'm really excited about Black Fathers Rock. You know, we are always accepting donations to donate to the community. So we get donations in and we send them right out for whatever we said we were going to do. And that is where we are. Um, we consider ourselves a liaison. So we don't particularly offer any services per se, but we do have, you know, for instance, if you have a custody battle that you're going through, and you need an attorney. We have some attorneys in our Rolodex. So we really are a liaison between the fathers and whatever their needs may be. Uh, we host monthly meetings. So we do dialogue with dads where we just talk. We'll be doing we're putting that out there very soon to do a virtual one. And want to invite all the parents, all the dads to come and, and awesome. just kind of just try, and, and it's, it's anonymous. Right. It's, it's a safe environment. You know, you can share openly. It's not posted on social media, like the results from the meeting. None of that, you know, you don't have to tell anybody you're coming. It really is a safe environment for you to just talk and be a man and be vulnerable. And that is super important to have a network of men in particular that you can be vulnerable with and share stories with that may help you going forward. Um, so that's that's coming. You know, we're going to do some some read alouds on social media with different dad organizations. A lot to come, man. So just, you know, if you Google Black Fathers Rock, you can find us. But definitely follow us on social media at BLK Fathers Rock, uh, BLKFathersRock.org. You can get all your apparel. If you want to just get more information on the organization, just BlackFathersRock.org. But, you know, we're out in the community doing a lot of great things, even during this, this COVID-19, whether it be virtually or physically. Uh, we are just really looking to continue to promote positive imagery and fatherhood in a positive light. And, uh, you know, not every Black father is absent. Not every Black father is in jail. Not every Black father is a statistics in a bad way. There are some that are stats in a good way. And so we really want to put that out there to the public yeah. that we are here. And uh, if you are contemplating, even mothers, you know, mothers, a lot of times, and this is not a knock, um, will hold the kids hostage from their father. And there are fathers that want to be there, but they don't have the money to go to court to get, you know, visitation or or co-custody. 
moms, let, let up. If your dad, if your dad wants to be around, if his, if his dad wants to be around, her dad wants to be around, then try to forge that relationship somehow. It's really not about your relationship between each other. It's about the kids. And I really hope that everybody takes away from this interview or whatever that the kids are the most important part. And if you were called to be their mother or called to be their father, then you are called to provide for them the best possible life. And if that, most of that will include involving the other half, whether you want to or not. It's not about what you want. It's about what they need. So that's my PSA on that piece. Yeah. No, I mean, I appreciate it. And I'll make sure to link um, everything in the description of, t- of today's episode, um, where you can find Ryan, where you can find Black Fathers Rock. Um, Ryan, I personally love ending my podcast with one specific question. You ready? Uh-oh. No, I'm what? not ready. Yep. <laughs> go. Let's go. All right. What does an entrepreneur mean um, to you? What does being an entrepreneur mean to you? The freedom and ability to create. The freedom and ability to create. I love that. Concise, yeah, but, yeah, but, but yeah. straight to the point and completely <laughs> about it completely fits with your brand. I love it, man. I don't think you understand how much I've appreciated having you on. It really has been an honor. The conversations that you have are are always just really transparent, really honest. And I think we've learned a lot about um, your journey and just your, your mindset and kind of where you've come from. And, um, you know, that's, that's the point of this podcast to talk a little business, but to really get Mm -hmm. to know the person behind it. So I appreciate you so much. I hope that for those of you listening, you've enjoyed today's episode. Um, and you come back and see my next entrepreneur and you hopefully subscribe and, you know, go follow black fathers rock, go follow Ryan Jorrell. Um, you know, for me, it was, it was uh, hands down an awesome uh, way of uh, chance that that we got to meet um, and that we're speaking a little yeah, bit more than a year yeah. later and and you are a friend you know you are an absolute friend so thank you for having thank me. you again so much for being on E. I, I appreciate you and, and kudos to you for doing this um, you know for those who don't know Alicia may have to postpone her wedding um, I don't know and so I think oh. you know. <laughs> That's a, that is a, that is tough, right? It's super tough, but she's still being positive and doing it and being very transparent. And I've learned that transparency is really the key to connecting to people. They they want to see that realness. And so kudos to you for for not shying away from the podcast, not shying away from your personal life and everything that you're going through or or been through. Uh, I think that's a testament to the person that you are. And although I've only known you for like a year. Um, I believe that there's something great that you are blossoming here. Uh, this podcast can go further, and I'm, I'm excited about whatever's next for you. Um, and so, kudos to you! Shout out to your fiance, that's my guy. Uh, and after this is all over, we'll, we'll have to do something. But yeah, I, I want to, I really want you to take it all in and understand that what you've done with this podcast, novice or not, it is taking a step towards something else. And you may not know what that something else is right now, uh, but I believe it's something that's greater than what you can even imagine. So keep doing it. Uh, keep putting it out there. Uh, I speak more followers and more growth in this podcast and your blog and that everything that you do is, is, is blessed. So. Man, thank you. <laughs> I'm so How about grateful you still there? Oh, my God. oh, man, Ryan.
Yeah, I'm here. Wait, are you crying? Oh, <laughs> uh, it got me choked up over here a little bit. It got me choked up. Oh my goodness. Um, you are so awesome. Seriously, thank you so much for, for joining me today. Tell uh, the wifey and kids yes. that I said hello and all the best. Get them on that schedule. It's almost eight. <laughs> right. So. It's time, listen, it's time. This is the last milk, last call for alcohol, a.k.a. milk, and then uh, bedtime at 830. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh, guys, I hope that you have enjoyed today's podcast. I know I have. Ryan, again, I keep saying thank you, but I really do mean it. It was an honor. Um, and yeah, hopefully you guys, you, you guys tune in next time. Thank Ryan, thanks for, uh, for being on my podcast, it. man. Have a great night and thank you all. Bye. You too. All right. Bye. You guys have heard me say thank you over and over to Ryan and how much it was an honor, but today's podcast was so fun. It was absolutely awesome, and he got me a little choked up there at the end. Again, just as a reminder, I'll make sure to tag him and Black Fathers Rocks information all in our uh, description. And again, if you like this podcast and you want to continue hearing from entrepreneurs, um, make sure that you subscribe and you come back next week to check out who our next uh, entrepreneur may be. If you guys have any ideas or would like to hear from a certain entrepreneur, make sure that you DM me, message me, uh, you know, just reach out to me any way that you can. And I'll make sure that I have the Instagram for ease for entrepreneur in the description as well. And as always, thank you for tuning in. You guys have no idea how much it means and I'll see you guys next week.